Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, everybody. You have found another episode of Speakernomics the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and I have the honor every week to interview some of the top people in the speaking business so that we can all learn from them about how we can thrive and find more success. And today we are joined by Phil Jones. Hey, Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, it is a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, today we are going to talk about how to sell a million books. I think people are going to be really excited about this. So, Phil, let's get started. What are your two tips for speakers on how to sell more books? Oh, man, if, if I was to just try to simplify this into, into two big tips, um, I could talk on this forever. But the first one probably is to, to never, ever, ever, ever leave launch mode. I think too many people spend you know focused effort over 6, 8, 12, 16 weeks in a period of time of launch and then expect it to, to be able to sell itself. And I think a, a long-term view of never leaving launch mode is, is required if you want to go the distance. And interestingly enough, my book, Exactly What to Say, sold more copies in year two than year one and more copies in year three than year two and one combined. So this idea of being able to run it for the long term. And the second big tip is that when it comes to marketing a book, is to not market the book. You shouldn't be looking to be able to market the modality. You should be looking to market the message on repeat. And the book should just be one of the most concise, simple, easy to access price comparable ways of people being able to access that information, not buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Oh, well, this is going to be fun, especially for those of us who have written books. So for those of you who don't know Phil Jones, and I don't know how you haven't heard of Phil Jones, he is a CSP. He is a member of the Speaker Hall of Fame, and he's a speaker. And obviously he's a writer because we're talking about books, but really he is involved in lots of different projects. The more you talk to him, the more you learn that Phil is kind of a renaissance man. He's doing all kinds of different projects all the time. In fact, I imagine some days he wakes up and isn't even sure what he does for a living. (laughs) In addition to being a speaker and writer, he actually owns a stake in five other businesses, but all of them are involved around helping other people achieve more in their life. And the one thing I can tell you about Phil is he not only talks about that, but he actually lives it. He wants to see all of us achieve more. So, Phil, your book, Exactly What to Say, how many copies has it sold? As of today's day, uh, I checked in prior to us discussion today, we're about 1.45 million units across all um, all formats. Um yeah, as of today here in, in early 2022. So for those of you who did not go to the National Speakers Association's Winter Conference, which was called Thrive, 
you totally missed out because the content was amazing. Stop skipping NSA events because you're going to learn so much when you go. Phil was one of the featured speakers, and this is what he talked about. So you can go back to the NSA Digital Vault and watch Phil's speech. But we're going to give you a little taste of that today, talking about some of his insights about selling books. So let's dive into those tips. Your first tip was never leave launch mode. I remember when I wrote my first book, Phil, launch mode was like, I don't know, four weeks long. Every day I was having to do something never leave launch mode. My God, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah, it is exhausting. I, I think giving birth to a book is like giving birth to a child, right? Is is sure we can have that cute moment and the photos and everybody in awe of the fact that we've just produced something of such magnificence. But the real joy comes later down the tracks when you invest in that relationship and you start to embody it and, and it becomes part of your, you know, your operating infrastructure is that, that your life now has this other asset, this other tangent in it, in, in this book. And I'll caveat this in really that there are, there are two types of of books in this world, in my mind, particularly as speakers, is you've got what I would call the big idea book, and then you've got the proven method book. And lots of people try and launch a big idea book, which is not a big idea, it's a new idea that they hope becomes a big idea. And they hope the book is going to be that thing, but they're not truly committed to that idea themselves. They're hoping the market becomes committed to that idea for them to then catch their tail to it. And the big idea book, if you're launching it as a new idea, to me, I don't know a great deal about, right? You're rolling the dice, crossing your fingers, playing the lottery, hoping it might catch. I don't know how to sell a million copies of a book in that way, but a second type of book is a proven method book. And I think a proven method book is the kind of book that lots of us as speakers, coaches, consultants, trainers have inside of us because it's been our body of work for a sustainable period of time already, right? We've lived this, we've workshopped it, we've, you know, we've road tested it, we've put it in front of a variety of different audiences. And this is now in our DNA. This is something we own. And I think what people do is they think the finish line of the book is is release day or launch day or or the day you get to do your first book signing. I'm saying push the finish line out a decade past launch and decide how do you want this book to play out onwards from there and then have micro launch event after micro launch event. You know, I'm interviewed on this book. I've done three interviews this week as podcasts about my new book, Exactly What to Say which was first launched in 2017. And here we are in 2022. People are still interviewing me about my new book five years later. And I do not interrupt them. I do not tell them it's not a new book because it's new to them and it's new to their audience. So I never want to get out of this launch mindset of who am I launching it to next? How am I launching it next? And you sell books one at a time, right? No, I, I, I love this. But what I'd like to do is step back a little bit. Can you define launch mode for us? What a great question is nobody on mass is sat at home today thinking what's missing from my life is my book, your book, or anybody else's book. Yet what we all have is problems, obstacles, challenges, difficulties in our life that we're looking for some external insight that could talk towards our job description in many ways is to interrupt somebody's day for long enough to help them identify a problem they weren't so clear of about themselves and then present them with a solution that might help them make progress on that problem. That is our job description. And that's what launch mode is. Who are the groups of people that we're going to bring increased heightened awareness towards that they are perhaps not as competent in their word choices as they should be that they are leaving opportunity on the table on repeat because of the fact they are not realizing that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it. 
And that a tool to help them to be able to get better at that just happens to be this little book you can read in 75 minutes. Hmm. Okay. You know, I'm looking to stay in that mode of life forever. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to introduce this set of problems and solutions to new groups of people with an example of which being this morning, I did a 30 minute live presentation to um, five different kids classes of one school of kids between five and eight years of age. And I read them the derivative book of exactly what to say, the magic of words, the kids book. I read the book and then did a Q and a, with five, seven, eight, nine-year-olds around the book writing process. And you know, all the teachers went away thinking, I need to buy exactly what to say. (laughs) So I love the fact that the book is five years since its original release. You haven't released like a new edition. A lot of people take their book after three or four years. I did this with with my first book and they release the new updated uh, edition and then they go out and do it. This idea that you have about taking your book and keeping it as evergreen for as long as you can, having it be a proven method that's not going to expire in five years. It's not going to be be old news. Is this something someone could do with a book maybe they released four or five years ago that has that evergreen feeling? Oh, without question. I, you know, I was chatting with a couple of other uh, CPAEs at an event that I was at a short while ago about their book and, and, and the success we've had with exactly what to say. And they're like, geez, Phil, you're a genius. I thought I needed to write a new book. I'm like, no, you're just going to breathe life into the book you gave up on. The reason that it's not perhaps continuing to be successful is because you're trying to work on next. And if you want to take a clue from anywhere, I take clues from the music industry all the time. You know, the Rolling Stones could produce a brand new album, take it on tour, and nobody would want to show up. Why? Because (laughs) you want to see Mick doing his thing, right, To, to all the songs you already know. And this confidence in our world of saying, hey, hey, you know, we can't be all things to all people, but I can own exactly what to say for all of my life. And if that's what the speaker world and the author world knows me for, I'll produce hundreds of other things, but I'm happy to build a reputation around one body of work. God, that is so different than the way so many people in our industry think, not only about their book, but about their speech, right? It's like, well, I've been doing, I've had, it's time to write a new speech. When in reality, if it's a proven methodology, you know, obviously for a speech, you can make little tweaks along the way, but this idea of constantly being in, you know, launch mode, what are a couple of tips then? Let's, let's, let's take that tip and break it down to sub tips. What are a couple of things that we can do to stay in launch mode and stay excited about it? Because I think one of the problems is a lot of people move on to the next mode because they get bored with their own work. I think one of the greatest ways to stay excited about your work is, is to look at how it aligns to the, to the ever changing reality of the world. So, you know, I have a clean message in exactly what to say, but for how long is exactly what to say relevant? Well, hold on. If we're going through political unrest, is exactly what to say important? How do we apply this to those critical conversations that are showing up in life? How do you then test yourself in play space? I know, Tom, you do some work in the stand-up comedy world and you, you do a lot with open mics and you've grown your, your ability in that space through a lot of trial and error. You can do the same with your messaging by taking it to new audiences. So the example I gave a second ago of speaking to five and nine-year-old kids, I'd not done that before. But how does that breathe new life into me of like, wow, that's cool. So what do I do is I'm regularly looking at where are their audiences to the left and the right of my normality. So when I wrote exactly what to say, it was primarily a tool to help sales conversations. 
Where are we today in 2022? Well, I'm speaking to audiences about conflict resolution. I'm speaking to nurse practitioners about bedside manner. I'm speaking with leadership groups about how they can better sell their message to their employees from a distance when they don't get them towards the same events. Like the diversity of new audiences for my work has grown significantly. So what does it do is it challenges me. It tests me. How do I launch these ideas, not the book, the ideas into new audiences? How do I get to be able to say, well, I thought this was useful. I thought this was good. And I knew it was good in this box. What happens if I change the box, start working with a new group and test the principles through that? And some of that I do as paid work and some of it I do for fun. And what it does is it, it sparks new life. Like the stuff I did with kids this morning, I got a page of notes of things I'm going to do in other areas because of what five and nine-year-olds taught me. <laughs> yeah, you can learn You can learn a lot from little kids, actually. I think all of us could learn from that. Well, this goes back to an early analogy you used when we started this, when we started this interview, and that is you compared the book to having a baby. And you're right. We get all, you get all that attention. I and mean, you have twins that are, that are very young. I have two adult daughters. And so, you know, we we're at very different phases of that, but it didn't end for either of us. The day our wife gave birth and in your case, they're twins. It all happened in one day. Mine were five years apart, but it didn't end on those days. The actual work kind of began then. And I now have a 20 year old and a soon to be 25 year old. And I hate to tell you, there's still work involved two yeah. and a half decades later in that role. And I love the way you compared that back to the book. So as you look to a decade or more of keeping launch mode going, what are some things that you have in your mind about exactly what to say five years from now? Well, well I'm all in on this, Tom. So, you know, I just bought the premium domain of exactly what to say.com. We're redeveloping my brand away from the Phil M. Jones brand and building out the exactly what to say brand. You said earlier on about we're not doing an expanded updated edition. Well, in May, I have a, a unique edition coming, which is a special edition, which isn't expanded and updated. It's just different. It's exactly what to say. It's the core book inside it, but it has more and it's a workbook. It's a self-guided course. It's a journal. It's beautiful. It's hard covered. We're limited in the addition to 10,000 units. And I'm going to use it to stay in launch mode. We've done exactly what to say for real estate agents staying in launch mode. I'm doing exactly what to say on your website. And I'm doing it in partnership with Marcus Sheridan, who's another phenomenal speaker. And I'm creating two plus two equals five collaborations with other smart people to be able to keep the message alive because the message is what's important, not the book. And what else are we doing here is, is I'm certifying other speakers and other people from other industries that want to do more in speaking so that what they can do is train, teach, coach, and speak around exactly what to say then what do I get is I get their take on my work, which makes it their work, which means that the greatest thing you can do to sell more books is to give it away. If it's my book, my book, my book, my book, you struggle for it to better reach the masses. If I've got people teaching my book as if those principles are theirs, now what we do is we get to that next ring. And that's what persistent never leaving launch mode does. If what you do is you do a good launch, what you do is you reach your people. And then it dies. If you never leave launch mode, then what happens is, is you reach your people, your people reach a few other people. Those people start to own your work as if it's theirs and you get to the next layer and the next layer and you get a level of virality. Like I don't think I could 
stop exactly what to say, continuing to sell at this point. So I, I get uh, people who listen to the show know that I, I fanboy out in a lot of these interviews. I get really excited when people say things because it ties into what I'm trying to do. It ties into what a lot of my friends are trying to do, what I'm observing in the industry. And when I walked away from Influence, the National Speakers Association's large conference in the summertime, when I walked away from the 2021 Influence after what had been a year and a half that was really hard for a lot of speakers, myself included, I was really observational about the people who were really successful during that year and a half and found other ways to do things. And two words came to mind that the people who had succeeded the most during the pandemic seemed to embrace. And that was community and collaboration. And what you were just talking about, about, hey, I'm certifying other people on you know my stuff. I mean, yes, obviously there's some money involved when people pay to be certified, but that's not where Phil's brain is. I, you're listening to this on audio, most of you. I can see Phil's face. It's not about that money. It's about getting more people involved to spread his message. And I'm seeing other, we interviewed last year, we interviewed David Horsehager who opened up his criteria to be able to share it with other people. And, and I'm gonna pick up on your language on that as well, just cause I know you'll let me. Is you said to pick up, to, to share his message. What I'm actually looking at is to share the message. Ah, yes. And that I think is a difference is that actually, if you want something to run and run and run, you've got to give it away so that actually the reflection doesn't come back to you. you you got to get so far past it affecting your ego that people have no idea what you look like, but they love your book. And that's an awesome point. And I have to give, I have to say hat tip. David feels the same way about that, that the message is bigger than him. So shame on me for saying that, but, but you are no, right. It's, sure, it's, so, it's so easy. And, and, and I think in the speaking world is we think that all the things point back at us. Yes. And I'm particularly saying that knowing that it's speakers that are listening to this is if you want to get to that second sphere of, of people who are embodying the work, they have to be able to receive the message from somebody who isn't you. Therefore, you have to empower somebody else to be capable of sharing the message that isn't you, whether that is you know, the leader of an organization that wants to run a, a little workshop about your work with 12 people. And it means don't get upset when you know, somebody steals two of your pages from your book and creates a slide for it and trains their 13 people and tells you about it on LinkedIn. Don't be like, they're stealing my work. No, they're sharing your work. And I think you know, sometimes it, that there's... There's a fine line between, yes, we have to protect our IP, but one of the greatest things you can do is to give it away. If you can give it away in a controlled fashion, let it go there. And the music industry teaches us this all the time. So I have another question then that comes to my mind. And I think other people are listening. How do speakers get to the mindset that you just described? Because you're right. So many of us, it's, it's my book. It's my message. It's me on stage and nobody else can touch it. And if they do, they're going to get a cease and desist letter. How do you shift that mindset? Uh, I think sometimes you can borrow the mindset of others and maybe live in that space for a little. So if anyone needs to borrow mine, they're welcome. I have over a hundred unauthorized editions of exactly what to say that are created. And I'm going to tell you about one of them. One of them came to me as a request for somebody to be able to translate and publish my book in Bangladesh. I hadn't yet sold Bangladesh rights. They asked for my permission to be able to do it. And I knew if I pushed this back towards publisher, et cetera, we're going to go down to a dead end. I dug into the story for a significant period of time with messages going backwards and forwards. 
and found out the numbers involved that if I was to present them, like I want a $5,000 advance for this translation rights, et cetera. You know, that's like all the money this guy could ever make in his entire life. It was a preposterous sum of money towards what this guy was. But what I learned from the exchange is he was hungry. He was ambitious. He was a young entrepreneur that wanted to be able to make and do something with his life. And he'd listened to my audiobook and he decided he wanted to build his entire publishing business about translating that book into Bangladesh and printing it, founded a print hookup, wanted to translate the book himself, wanted to produce it. Now, dang, I'm in love with this story already, as you can imagine. Now, this is an unauthorized translation of my book in Bangladesh. And what I ended up doing is the deal with him. I said, here's the deal. You can do it, but you got to bring your best work. I want five copies of the book and I don't want a royalty statement. I want an email from you every six months that just tells me how your business is going, gives me an update about where you're at and perhaps ask for some advice. Every six months, I get this most beautiful email. I get photographs of his family, the differences made within his community, um, all because he chose to champion exactly what to say. Now, I've been paid nothing for this. I've got, in fact, um, we're on video here right now. That's the Bangladesh version of the book. I have no idea if it's any good. The paper quality is terrible. Four of the pages stick together. There's creases in it. Like, like It looks like it got wet, but I just think this is how it's supposed to be. And I love it. I love the fact that people are you know, doing summary versions of my book and then, then they're pumping them out on their Instagram channel and they're getting traction. And I love the fact that someone's got 500,000 views on a video that they did of a summary of my book and I can't get 5,000 views on a video on my YouTube channel without any great keys. I've learned to love this stuff. Why? Because a quantity of those people will go on to keep telling the story, which means a quantity of those people will buy the book through authorized channels. There just needs to be that mess in the middle. And I think that's what I'm asking people to embrace. I, I love that. I love that. So your second tip was market the message over the modality. So yeah. before we run out of time, because I tend to go down some rabbit holes and, and we're coming to the end, let's hit your second tip for speakers on how to sell more books around the, mes the message and not the modality. Okay. Buy my book, 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 buy my book is exciting for about two weeks. And then everybody that knows you gets freaking bored of that message. <laughs> That's that is true. Including yourself. Yet the ideas and principles that live in that book or are catalyzed by that book should have evergreen appeal. If they don't, you're not going to have a perennial seller, right? If the ideas in that book are no longer relevant, we'll give up the idea of the fact the book's going to continue selling. But if the ideas in that book have evergreen relevance, that's the stuff you should be marketing. So what do I market now and exactly what to say? I market case studies of organizations that have implemented this philosophy and achieve results. What do I market today? I market things that have stuff to do with exactly what to say that have nothing to do with the book. I'll give you an example of which I asked our mutual friend, Mr. J bear to produce me a short video of exactly what not to say when dealing with a customer complaint. There is none of that in the book. It doesn't exist in the book. It's not to do with the book, but it's everything to do with the book. Because the message is, is exactly what to say is important. The worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it. Jay is using his work to amplify that my work is important. We all win. Two plus two equals five. 
Mm-hmm. That's marketing the message and not the modality. What else is marketing the message and not the modality? It's looking at, in my world, well, where did somebody make a conscious or unconscious choice of words that had consequences? I have to be responsible for that in the same way that if I care about the fact that the right word at the right time is important, I have to catch Tom Singer when he says his as opposed to the. I have to care about that. None of that's in the book. But what do I have to get to a point of? Is I have to get to a point that the message is, is exactly what to say is important, not the book. And what that changes is it changes reputation. In our world now, it is very difficult to use the word exactly without thinking about me. <laughs> to a point that Mel Robbins just produced an audible podcast called Exactly What to Do. And I've had no less than a hundred people reach out to me to say, isn't that cute? <laughs> That's what happens when you keep messaging, you know, marketing the modality rather than the, the, the message over the modality. And, and, that's why you got to be there for the long term. So, Phil, again, that that whole that that whole piece goes back to the whole thing about about community and collaboration. I love the part about working, you know, with Jay and other people to to take your work into their work and sharing it. And two plus two, you know, one plus one becomes five. I think that is I think that is awesome. I'm already thinking about exactly what to say while networking as something right. I want to do with you. You know, I mean, it's already right. on my mind is like, how, so easy, right? how, how do I take his work and promote his work while promoting myself? My, my, my wheels are already spinning and all the listeners are already thinking, you know, the same thing. And, and you're going to start hearing from people who are going to go, can I do a video on exactly what to say? But the point is, is we built the vehicle for that and it's always punctuated by the book, but it isn't, oh, you know, oh, the secrets in the book, the secrets not in the book, the secrets can live outside of the book. And the book just comes away of the fact that I believe this too. And it becomes almost a memento or a trophy around the fact of, of you know, I care about this message enough. And, and you, know, you want an example in books. One of the most famous books in our world is certainly in the modern age is, is Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. I learn a lot about that book. And one of the questions I ask a lot of people is, are you familiar with the book, Start With Why? I ask the question, are you familiar Almost everybody says, yes. I say, have you read it? And they say, yeah, yeah, I say, well, have you really read it? And they say, well, um, I, I watched the Ted talk or, um, you know, I kind of get the premise of it is the point that I'm looking to make is if the secrets in the book, expect people to not get to the secret, the secret needs to live outside of the book. And then what happens is, is people are then happy to buy the book to show that they're continually committed to understanding that principle, that thinking, that way of life. And how many of us have books on our bookshelves that serve that same purpose to us. And if any of us think that we want a million people to give us nine hours of their life, which is what selling a million books to get a million people to read it requires a million people to give you a whole day of their life. If they're going to consume your book in its entirety, that's a big ask. Create something that people can rally behind because of something they've experienced from outside the book its market just got a lot bigger. Its transactional ability just got a lot easier. You just found it easier to sell books because the secret lives out of the book, not in the book. Well, I hope everybody was listening closely for the last 27 minutes because we had Phil Jones here sharing how to sell a million books. And the real thing I learned is that if you want to sell a million books or if you want to be successful in whatever you're trying to do with your business, you really have to live your message. And Phil Jones 
lives exactly what to say. Phil, any last words for the audience of Speakernomics? Oh, any last words is just remember that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it on repeat and your success of a speaking business on stage has everything to do with the critical conversations you have off stage in every area of your life. And there's always an audience. So be ready to be on that stage of life at any given point in time, knowing that if you want to get paid more on the platform, the work you do off of it is what's going to lead you to that success. Well, again, Phil, thank you for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. This was a perfect example of why the National Speakers Association created Speakernomics. We want to bring you ideas on how you can make more money as a professional speaker. And I think everyone who listened to this episode probably has walked away with a couple of nuggets of inspiration to go out and do just that. So do me a favor, tune in every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And then always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.